This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. It is sure nice to be in this building. Amen. Amen. Uh, we blessed Edison last week. Somebody else getting our electricity, but hallelujah, they cut our bill all summer long because we're on that saver program, so they cut our electricity last week, but in Jesus' name, it won't happen again this year. Amen. It's nice to be here. I said that because I just think I just, I just gave it to the ARC Fund for our carpet. We're really close to having what it takes to get, have to do this phase here. What would you say, ma'am? Samples are back there. Oh, carpet samples. I was going to say samples are up here, but. <laughs> Where's the carpet samples at then? By the bookstore, there's carpet samples. But anyway, I have Katie work with the carpet company. We almost got enough to do the main sanctuary, then the hallways. And so we're just really close to that. We'll talk about it more Sunday, see some more numbers, more money's come in. But we're at least going to get this part done, then we'll keep on working towards the other to get the upstairs done and keep on doing what we're doing. But we, uh, like Pastor Dave said Sunday, nobody here really sees it, but we spent a whole lot of money, I think almost $100,000, what we've done so far that can't even be seen, reworking the units on the roof, taking the old roof off this big old building off, putting another roof on it, and... All the, all the interior work and things we've done. Spent a lot of money, but I'm ready to see some carpet. Amen. So it's coming. Give the Lord a hand for that. Praise God. Carpet coming. <laughs> well, tonight we're going to be talking about life is fragile handled with prayer. Life is fragile handled with prayer. And I know we have different people go through different crisis situations. And God's the one that through the mouth of Jesus said... That with men, that's not possible. But with God, all things are possible, except if you're going through what you're going through. That's what the devil tells you. The devil tells you that, well, yeah, God can do this and God can do that, but I'm in a special category. No, you're not in a special category. The devil wants to think you're in a special category. The devil wants to paint loser across your chest and across your mind and wants you to think loser, 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 loser. But God already branded you with a big C for Christ. You belong to him. Amen. And the blood of Jesus, the word of God, and pray in the name of Jesus and live it a life the best you can, hold it upright before God. Amen. I'll tell you what. I, let me tell you something. It doesn't make any difference what man thinks about you. Jesus said, I love you this much. And he said, it is finished. He broke the power of the devil over mankind. But we're the ones that have to enforce Satan's defeat. You know, years ago, uh, Pastor Hagin's son, brother, uh, brother Hagin's son, he's Pastor Hagin. He's, he's, he's an old dude now. He's about 75 years old, but he was really young when he wrote a book. About 40 years ago, he wrote a little mini book. We probably got it back there. And it said, it's, it's, it said, the prison door is open. Come on out. A lot of Christians are still in Satan's prison, but Jesus opened the door. And all they have to do is walk out. But they're afraid to. Did anybody ever hear about elephants, how they train elephants? They train elephants with these great big old chains on their legs so that elephants think that they're totally mobile, can't go anywhere. They get them trained so much that all they have to do is put a little rope on the elephant's leg and the elephant only goes so far because it's been trained that you're captive and you can't break free. Well, so many times Christians have been captive so many years by the devil, by fear and other things. They think, I can only go this far. That's as far as I can go. But Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. 
Paul said, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. God said, if I'm for you, what difference does it make who's against you? Amen. So we've got a couple books I want to show you out of the bookstore. We're going to be ordering supply really soon again. But this book right here has carried me through so many times over the years when I needed it. What to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. What to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. There's some principles in there that if you'll read this book with your Bible open and your pen and pencil or notepad, whatever, right there by you, look up scriptures and write down things that God says to you through that and follow these principles. There's no magic formulas, but there's Bible principles. Anybody that acts on the Word of God with God's principles will get the same results that the Bible says they should get, which is to win. And then here's another really good one, turning hopeless situations around. Turning hopeless situations around. And, you know, I think about how, how awesome that God is that he lets us use his name. And, you know, you think about Ephesians chapter 6. I don't know if you ever think about things like this, but Ephesians chapter 6, he says, put on the whole armor of God. You get to wear God's armor. And I, I heard Brother Copeland teaching years and years ago, like probably 35 years ago. I heard him teach on the armor of God one time. And, and, and he said this. How many have ever seen those uh, old medieval armor things that those guys used to wear at nights? And they got the, all that armor on them. They clank, clank, clank like that. They got those steel shields and big swords. And they got that little mask thing flips down over their eyes like that. Their whole face is totally covered. And, and he gave this example, which is so good. He said, you put on God's armor, that's God's armor. And in the spiritual arena, Satan sees God's armor. And you put on the armor of God, and Satan can have his whole army up there against you. And he sees that somebody, that armor coming down the street, he runs because he knows that's God's armor. He thinks it's God walking at him. Think about that. You see that armor coming down the street... And you got the armor on, you got the helmet of salvation on, you got the shield of faith, feet shot, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you got the sword of the spirit, and all the armor of God, breastplate of righteousness, all the armor of God on, your face is covered with that shield. Satan sees you coming, he's going to run and say, man, God's coming again. Somebody's going to get that about the bill that I can wake up and say, well, I see that now, I'm going to start wearing my armor. Somebody shout, because I'm a little better preacher than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. I want you to look at uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 34. Mark chapter 5, verse 34. And I'm not going to look at this whole story about this lady here because all I want you to see is the end of her story. This woman was in a very hopeless situation. Uh, your Bible probably says woman with the issue of blood or something like that there because that's, that's what we all refer to her as. But this lady had a female problem. And she was bleeding for, I think it says, 12 years. She went to all the doctors she needed to go to, used all the money she had. She never got better, only got worse. Every time somebody told her, hey, there's a doctor over here, there's a cure over here, there's something over here, they got a treatment. She spent all of her money. So it says, finally, she was out of money, out of hope, out of doctors. And then it says, then she heard of Jesus. Then she heard of Jesus. So she was already broke, 12 years sick, never got any better. And so would you call that hopeless? 
that'd be pretty miserable for a lady. You know, some, some of you ladies probably know something about that. I've known women like that before. But that's pretty miserable life. And back then, they didn't have the modern things to help cover or hide the situation like they would now. But for 12 years going through that, at every time, every time, I know I've, I've been through seasons of life where every time something I was facing, I thought, man, this is it. I would get there and the devil pull the rug up from under me again. I thought, oh, praise the Lord. And so I'd just keep on going. And then somebody else would tell me something, some way to help me, something to do, or some testimony. And glory to God, I know this is it. And the devil pulled the rug up and me again. Man, here I am, down again. But I always stuck with what I'm teaching tonight, and I won. And anything comes against me, I'm going to win, because I know, I know how to call upon my Jesus. And I know my Jesus never fails. Something I learned years and years and years ago, that if you're in a situation right now, that you have to get this made up in your mind. John 10, 10, Jesus told the truth. The thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. He come to give life of that more abundantly. Jesus is on your side. And I know, I learned years ago, that if I'm in a battle and it looks like it's not working, I never blame God because I know that if there's a problem, it's never on his end. It's always on my end. He's God. He changes not. His word never fails. Faith always works. Faith works by love, and love never fails. So if I'm walking in the love of God towards God, number one, and then towards my fellow man and fellow Christians, if I'm loving people with the love of God in my heart, not out of my head, but out of my heart, First Corinthians 13 eight says, love never fails and faith works by love. So I know as long as I have a right attitude, as long as I'm loving people, forgiving people, as a matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. Uh, he's, he's, Peter said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? And Jesus says, seven times 70. Then another, another one of the gospels, he said in one day. So that means that every day, if you have to, if you're in a situation and somebody's coming against you, things are happening where it looks like the whole world's against you, people are bad-mouthing you, trashing you, et cetera, et cetera. Well, modern times, first thing to do, get off Facebook. Okay, then, after you got off Facebook, <laughs> get off Facebook. But in modern times, with all the way there is, people communicate their hatred to you, then I would say seven times 70, if you have to all day long, say, Father, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Father, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Father, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Jesus wouldn't tell us to do something it wasn't possible to do. And so with the love of God in our heart, write down this verse, Romans 5, 5. Romans 5, 5 says, our heart has been filled with the love of God. So that means that we have God's love. We can't forgive them with human love. Human love doesn't forgive. Human love doesn't forget. Human love gets even. Human love tries to find a way to turn it around on him. But the love of God says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Amen. And so that's some of the things I've learned. So this woman here, verse, verse 34, she went through all these different things she went through. And after she found out about Jesus and how faith works, she acted on those things. A said her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Or the disease said, be whole of it. And so the woman told her, her faith made her whole. And God's no respecter of persons. If faith would turn this lady's situation around, 
then faith will turn your situation around. And, and, and so her life was very fragile. And so that word whole there comes from a Hebrew word, shalom. And if you've ever been around Jewish people, which I haven't a whole lot, the Jews say to each other all the time, shalom, shalom. Well, that shalom in Hebrew literally means nothing broken, nothing missing. It said you're all totally restored. Everything in your life is put back together. You know, the Humpty Dumpty set on the wall, had a great fall, and all the king's horse men could put it back together again. But Jesus can. No matter how much you've been broken, no matter how much you've been hit, God will restore your money. God will restore your health. God will restore your peace. God will restore anything that Satan's tried to destroy in your life. God says, Shalom. Your faith has made you whole. Amen, amen, amen. God can put it back together. And so, I want you to go to James chapter 5. And we're, talking, we're going to be talking about prayer tonight. James chapter 5. And I want to look at verse 13. And as, as we're looking at these scriptures tonight, I've got this title on this, if you noticed. It's Life is Fragile, Handled with Prayer. Where that came out of a few months ago, I preached this on a Sunday morning, this, this same thing. Of course, it'll come, it's already come out a lot different now than it did when I preached it last time. But I was a truck driver for a lot of years. I was a Teamsters truck driver. I delivered a lot of stuff to a lot of places. And some of the things I delivered did have to handle them very carefully. I mean, I, I delivered iron things to construction sites and <laughs> steel things. But sometimes I delivered glass things. Sometimes I delivered cases of glassware to a store or something like that. And I've even delivered eggs and things like that. Well, in some boxes, it says fragile, handle with care. Some things you handle different than other things. And if I would have had something delivered to my mom or my grandma or somebody, no matter what it was, I would have handled that more with care because that's somebody I personally knew I wanted to help them. Well, I know that as a pastor in a congregation, a lot of times, I have to handle some people more cautiously with prayer than other people because they're very fragile right now. And when they're fragile, you got to watch out how you talk to them, what you do with them, because they might break. And we don't want people to break. We want people to get healed. We want people to be whole. And so what I'm talking about, that life is fragile, handled with prayer. I want to show you how to be able to pray, number one, for yourself. But if you get to the place to where you're in really, really serious trouble, then you want some people around you. They know how to pray for you. And if you've got loved ones right now that are really in a very precarious place, then this message is for you, for them, to know how you can pray for them so they can make it through where they're at, so they'll come through where they're at, or the winning side where Jesus wants them at. Amen? And so that's what we're looking at about prayer and how to pray effectively for people that are going through a hard time. And so it says this, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. So he's talking to a congregation right here. And so I can say right here to the church tonight, is any among you afflicted? And that word afflicted there means basically going through a hard time. You might be going through a divorce. You might have children right now 
that you're thinking, oh, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I was warned about this. I was warned about this. And now here it is coming to pass that all I want to do is lock them up. All I want to do is hit them. I want to turn them in. I want to take everything away from them. All I want to do is just blah, 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 blah. It says if any of you go through a hard time, let him pray. The number one thing to do for your children where they're not walking where you think they ought to right, walk, well, number one, maybe you ought to judge yourself. Maybe you was that age one time, too. Maybe you got a harvest coming back. <laughs> but the thing is, he said, let him pray. And so the number one time you need to be praying and ought to pray for yourself is when you're going through a hard time. You know, praise God for the 1-800-PRAYER line or 1-800-COMPLAIN line, wherever you want to call it. But praise God for something like that. But I don't know who the person is I'm calling, if they're even saved. I don't know if they've been sitting there watching pornography right before I called them. I don't know if they're non-tithers that have no blessing in their life. I don't know if they have a pastor they're submitted to. I don't know anything about them, but I do know about me. I know where I stand. I know where I walk. And I know about my prayers. And so, see, we're all at different levels of faith, but the first thing you got to know is the Bible wouldn't say, if you're going to a hard time, pray. If it wasn't possible, you'd pray prayers that would help you get out of it. And so, if you're to the place right now where you don't know how to pray, keep on coming to a church like this. We're going to teach you how to pray. We're going to teach you what the Bible has to say about prayer. You're going to learn some things tonight, but the first thing's prayer. You've got to know how to pray. Is this helping anybody? Amen. So that's what he said. If you're going through a hard time, pray. And, you know, uh, for myself, it's been so, a lot of years since I've really had to ask anybody to pray for me. You know, on, on occasion, on occasion, I have my wife agree with me some things. But most of the time, my family doesn't know anything I'm facing what's going on because I've learned how my prayers get results. I've learned how to keep through my spiritual life of my loving God, worshiping Jesus, living for Jesus, how to keep things out here basically where my shield of faith catches them before they get through. But sometimes things get through. But if things get through, I've learned how to pray to get things off of me. Amen. And so it's possible for you to grow spiritually to where your prayers will be effective, where you're praying for lots of people. And, of course, people pray for me all the time, and I appreciate that. That helps keep a lot of stuff off. So as we sow prayer, we reap prayer. And so as you're praying for others, that God's got others praying for you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over are men praying for you. That Luke 6, 38 is a spiritual law, not just about money, but about everything in life. What you sow is what you reap, and you reap a lot more than what you sow. And so if you're sowing a lot of wrong thing towards people, a lot of murmuring, complaining, and your prayer simply is this, God, you know they did me wrong, just kill them. Well, that's a prayer he's not listening to because then the kind of prayer can be come back to you. People are going to say, hey, take this jerk out. Do a better preaching than you are shouting. <laughs> Amen. And so he's talking about real prayer. But anyway, and then he says, as any Mary let him sing, sing psalms, it's a good thing to have a song in your heart and a song in your mouth. Amen. And so then he says in verse 14, 14, 15, 16, I actually want to look at these, says this. Is any sick among you? Let's talk about church people. He didn't say there's any sick in the world because the world's full of sick people. 
When you get in the church, you ought to more and more and more be able to keep things off of you. As you as you learn about divine healing, divine health, what to do, faith works by love, then more and more and more and more, you're going to start living a healthy life where Jesus is more and more keeping your health blessed. But anyway, he said, just in case there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. He didn't say anything at all about a prayer chain. Somebody said, well, where I come from, we got prayer chains. Well, that's probably a good thing if people on the prayer chain know how to pray. He says, uh, put it on the put it on your church's prayer tree. We don't have a prayer tree. Our Savior died on the tree, came off the trees at the right hand of the Father, making intercession now. See, I'm, I'm showing you biblically how to get answers from God, what the Bible says. And so he says, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him of all in the name of the Lord. And get this, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Well, the sick don't be saved, they need healed. And that comes from the Greek word sozo. And that word sozo means deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness, and health. And so the King James translators put save here, but they should have put healed here. Because sick people need healed. If they need saved, they need saved too. But the number one thing is, if you're saved and you're sick, you don't need to get saved again. You need healed. And so he says, the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. And the good news is, the Lord shall raise him up. If they have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Then he says, confess your faults one to another. That means your sins, your slips. And, and that doesn't mean you have a public confession where everybody tells everybody all the dirty things of your life. But if you've got a prayer partner, somebody you're close to, it's good sometimes to have somebody agree with you about some things. Your face, I say, man, I really have a hard time fighting this thing. You know, uh, if you're fighting, so for example, a lot of Christians get saved and they still got baggage hanging out of their flesh like cigarettes. Or maybe uh, dipping. Or maybe some kind of alcohol. Or something that's still got a hold on them. They're thoroughly saved in their heart. But their flesh is still cried out for something, whatever it is, that gives them that fix. And there may be a time that you fought this thing, you fought this thing, and you just need to talk to your brother or sister and say, Man, I want you to agree with me. I hate this. I despise it. And I know it's not going to send me to hell, but it sure is stopping me from getting blessed. Oh, God wants to bless me. Would you agree with me that in the name of Jesus, I've submitted to God. I resist the devil. I resist this thing in Jesus' name. And just stand with me. And I want to be accountable to you. Just ask me. Ask me in a couple of days. Say, hey, man, have you had a cigarette the last couple of days? And if I have, then just say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I will lay hands on you. Just in Jesus' name, you're free. In Jesus' name, you're free. And so we need sometimes to have somebody to stand with us. And, of course, that's Matthew 18, 19. Jesus said, if any two shall agree. On earth is touched anything they shall ask. It will be done by the Father. So he's talking about prayer. So sometimes we need to have that. But let me tell you something. In a public service, you don't need to get up and confess what you're fighting in front of all the people there. You have some people there that aren't spiritually mature enough yet to understand struggles people go through. And they're going through things themselves. And they don't want you to know about it. When you do, they'll judge you. And when they judge you, then they'll trash you to anybody they can talk to. So that's what he's talking about. Not going around confessing your sins to the whole world. But sometimes you need help with that. See, we're talking about life is fragile, handled with prayer. And if you're going through struggles in life, you need somebody to help you with sometimes in your prayer closet. You really want help. You don't want blabbed on. Yeah. Amen. Is this helping anybody? 
Amen. It says, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I like what the Amplified Bible says about that verse. It says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. When a righteous person prays, it makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And so God's mighty power will turn the most hopeless situation around when a person that's walking right with God prays a prayer. And I'll give you an example. Some of you have heard before, as I've told you a few times, it's one of the best examples of prayer I've ever heard for a hopeless situation. Back during the Civil War days, back during the slavery days, there was a little old black lady that had her daughter had the... People wanted to sell the daughter off because she was a pretty little young girl. People knew that, you know, they wanted, they wanted that young girl to be their slave. And so they had the public square having the auction. And they cut time, put this, took this girl away from her mom and put her up there on the auction block. And the people are starting to bid on this woman's daughter. She's standing there crying. And she cries out to God. And she says, Lord, help me now. I need your help like never before. And said, Lord, you know. If I could help you like you could help me now, you know I would. Well, about that time, there was a United States senator standing there with his son. And his son kept drinking on his daddy's arm. Daddy, 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 buy that girl, buy that girl. That senator thought, I don't, I don't want that girl. That little kid was persistent. Finally, the senator bid on that girl and he bought the girl. And so then the man brought the little girl down in the paper that said, you own her now. I gave it to the senator, and the senator gave it to his son. And the senator took the little girl by the head, the paper walked over to mom, and said, Here. That's God. God can do that in your life today. He's not out of miracles. All he needs is a righteous person to pray. Now, I want to show you, because, you know, I know some people are thinking, well, I wish I just knew somebody that was, that was that righteous. Oh, I wish I knew somebody like that. Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to show you from God's eyes what it means to be righteous or in right standing with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And many of us know this. But we need to keep being reminded of what God sees, of what the Bible says. And if you don't know this, you need to get this. Because there might come a time that you send that, uh, that prayer request on the email and it's been hacked and your email never goes through. Or you might try the prayer line. Like I tried to call the brand new Walmart store today a few times and I didn't get through. I wanted to order something from the automotive department, and I tried, and I tried, and tried. I couldn't get, that's no, that's no hit on Walmart, brand new store things going. But I'm saying, what happens if the most holy person you know, you call them for prayer, and the lines are down? What happens if you cannot get hold of that person that you've got your confidence in, 
that I know if anybody knows how to get a hold of God, she does. I'm going to call her. Well, I'm going to call him. What happens if their battery on their phone's down? If your faith was based on that person, then your faith was in the wrong place. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man, and that means mankind, human being, man, woman, any person, be in Christ, that means if you've asked Jesus into your heart, and you're a born-again Christian, you know your, name, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, your sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. You're forgiven. You're new. It says you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, so that he begins to tell us about our new life. And I know that everybody sitting in here, Everybody sitting here, you probably look a whole lot like what you did before you received Jesus. If you look at pictures over the course of time, unless you've been saved for a long time, I've been saved 37 and a half years, so I do look a little different. I know my wife looks a little different than she did when I married her a few years ago. But when you get more to get what I'm saying, your outward person didn't get saved. There's an inward person on the inside that got born again. And, you know, I think about Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so people without Christ on the inside are spiritually dead. They've got the nature of the devil, the nature of fallen man on the inside. They're not hooked up with God. We say, when you're born again, you become a brand new creation. God makes you on the inside brand new. And the good news is, he said right there, verse 18, All things in you are of God. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the Galatians 5, 23. On the inside of you now, you have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. says against us there is no law. There's nothing in this world that can defeat the born-again Christian that learns how to use what he is on the inside. All things are of God. Does anybody here think that God's a loser? Does God get depressed? Does God give up? Does God quit? What well, says on the inside of you that your new nature is totally of God? That's the good news. The bad news is you still got the dumb head. And you still got the dumb flesh. The flesh says, I'm going to do whatever I want to. And if you don't do something about the head, the head's going to say, yes, we're going to do what we want to. But your spirits always cried out and said, no, I want to do right. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 2, write this down if you don't know it. But Romans 12, verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so you're a three-part being, your spirit and your soul, which your mind's a part of that, your will's a part of that soul. And then your body, your spirit, your soul are housed in this earth suit. And when people die, how many have noticed they have cremations or burials and there's a body goes in the ground or a body gets burned up. But that's all that got burned up. That spirit, that soul lives on. That spirit, that soul either went to heaven 
or went to hell, depending on what the Spirit did while I was here on earth. If it got born again, it went to heaven. What I'm telling you is this. That spirit and soul lives on. That spirit and soul is in you right now. And so if you renew your mind to think like God thinks, according to the Word of God, when your body says, this is what I'm going to do, then your mind and your soul, except your spirit, say, no, you're not. We say in the name of Jesus, you behave yourself. You're not going to act that way. You're not going to do those things. Because body, I've taken authority over you. But if you spend your time playing goofy video games, watching stupid stuff on TV day and night, reading trash novels, and whatever else it is that, that, that pleases your flesh. See, I call that stuff soul food. What's soul food? Soul food's things that entertain you but have no spiritual value, no, no spiritual nutrition. nutrition. I like spiritual food. I like spiritual things that feed my spirit because my spirit gets fed, my mind gets renewed. When my mind gets renewed, my mind and my spirit take authority over those thoughts and those imaginations. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, 4, and 5. If you don't know about the thoughts and imaginations, you need to write that down. It says we need to take authority of those things that cast down every thought, every imagination that exalts itself against the Word of God. And so that's what we do with that part of us. But the main thing is, you on the inside are not who you used to be. I was talking to my son Joseph today back in... Uh, Virginia, we talked about some things from years and years and years ago. And I and talked about, he's talking about something he did a long time ago. I said, you know what, that, that guy died. And Joe said, what would you say, Dad? I said, that guy died. And the Joe started laughing. That's right, that guy died. I remember when he died. He died the day that Joe got born again. He said, oh, man, I am burying you. And me and his brother got to baptize him up here, this baptism take up here. But my son, years ago, became a brand new creature in Christ. He's not the same guy he used to be. And whoever you are, if you're born again, it says old things are passed away. Bertie Samples passed away on January 29th, 1980. Bertie Samples passed away. Old things passed away. I become brand new in Christ January 29th, 1980. I was born again. And my life started. That's why I can, I, I can with great joy say I am 37 and a half years old, living in a 66-year-old body. <laughs> but the guy that counts is there. Now, what I want to get to now, I want you to see this. It tells you all that you have. But then verse 21 says this. For, for he, God, has made him Jesus to become sin for us. Jesus became sin for you and sin for me. Although he knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Remember talking about a righteous man? The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The prayers of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. That advocate is working. It says if we're born again in Christ, it says Christ made us righteous. And so righteousness is not some state you attain if you live good enough. Matter of fact, 1 Peter 2.24 it talks about by stripes, you know, etc. says that we should live unto righteousness. We've got it, so we need to live it. And when we live righteous, that's called holiness. See, there's difference. See, and this is what throws some Christians off. They confuse holiness with righteousness. Holiness simply means, now listen to this, you're getting to show up on the outside what you have on the inside. On the inside, I've got God's righteousness, 
And when that shows up on the outside, that's First Peter 2.24, should live unto righteousness. The more I live right, according to God's standard, the written word of God, then the more holy I'm living. When I make righteous decisions, I'm making holy decisions. But my, but my holiness doesn't get my prayers answered. It's his righteousness in me gets my prayers answered. And, you know, we just think about all the different scriptures are about our righteousness. In Isaiah, it says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Our righteousness. So we don't come based upon our righteousness. We come based upon his righteousness. And he says right here that he became sin, that we could be made righteous. And so we did not earn righteousness. It was a gift. We'll look at the scripture in a minute, Titus 3, 5. But anyway, he says... That we are made his righteousness. And I like this in the Living Bible. The Living Bible says that God took the sinless Christ and poured our sins into him. And then in exchange, he poured all of his goodness into us. And so God made the exchange. When we were born again, he took all the sin we have and he put it in Jesus. And Jesus hung on the cross And he died for the sins of the world, which includes you and me. And then he took all the goodness he had and he put it into us. That's so we can be that righteous person, James 5, 16. We can pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And the Father says, I hear you. Because in the name of Jesus, you're going to get your victory. Jesus was perfect. And he gave you what he had in you. Now, your outside's not perfect. Your actions aren't always perfect. But your nature has God's perfect. Your nature has the nature of God. Because he said all things are of God. We're a new creature. All things are of God. And see, if your mind's not renewed, this is so hard for the average man or woman to get a hold of because they've been religiously taught, religiously brainwashed, instead of biblically taught. The Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Well, he shouldn't have put that in there. If there weren't going to be some righteous people. That wouldn't be any good. If nobody was ever righteous enough with God to get prayers answered, why is that verse in there? But then he said that we have in us the righteous nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that means that means that whoever you are sitting in this church tonight, your prayers are no less heard from God than Billy Graham's prayers. Or Joyce Meyer's prayers. Or Kenneth Copeland, whoever you look to, up to as a, as a spiritual mentor or whoever in life. Because the only reason God ever heard Joyce Meyer's prayers, she never ever prayed in the name of Dave. Not McNeil, Dave, her husband. She never ever prayed. She never ever prayed in the name of Joyce. Benny Hinn never prayed in the name of Benny and got a prayer answered. Whoever it is you look up to and think, man, they're the most spiritual person I know. They may have learned some more than what you've had. They may have experienced some more things in life, but they never got one prayer answered in their name. Every prayer that ever got answered for any of these great people we look up to in life as spiritual people, any prayer that ever got answered, any blind person that ever got their sight through them, any crippled person that ever got healed, any person that ever received a miracle through their ministries that never happened because of how righteous they were, happened how righteous Jesus is in them, and when they prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus, God heard them. And so, go ahead and clap, man. You... No, no, I'm, I'm helping. I, I, I'm absolutely helping some of you tonight to get a hold of this. 
Your prayers are answered because Jesus took your sin nature. He gave you his righteous nature. And he says right here that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, listen, some of our outward stuff pretty ugly sometimes. But the inward stuff, the inward stuff is of God. Now, I want you to look at Titus. I want you to see this. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. And we're talking about life is fragile, handled with prayer. You are qualified to pray and get answers if you're born again. Because you are the righteousness of God in Christ. This is right after 2 Timothy. By the way, that's, a, that's where we're at in our Bible study every day. We're in 2 Timothy now, so I hope you're enjoying it. It is good. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Now look at this. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Not by our own righteousness, but by his, by his mercy, we're saved. Everyone sitting in this church tonight, if you're born again, you are an effective prayer. I'm going to close by looking back at James chapter 5 again. Because I want you to see this. One more time. James 5, verse 16. Last part of the verse. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, of a righteous person. What does it do? It availeth much. I'm telling you right now, if you're sitting in here tonight and you're facing an impossible crisis of life, you don't need the prayer line. You've already got the hotline to God. You come to the Father in the name of Jesus. You don't come, you don't come begging. You don't come pleading. You don't come telling him what a loser you are. You don't come telling him how impossible it is. He already knows all those things. You come to him in the name of Jesus. And if you need to, you can say something like this. Father, I want to thank you. That although at one point in time, I was a loser. I absolutely did wrong. I wasn't right towards your people. But I want to thank you, Lord. That when I ask you to forgive me my sins, come into my heart. I want to thank you, that old man. I want to thank you that a woman died. I want to thank you, Jesus, that my sins were put in Christ when he hung on the cross. He took my sins. I want to thank you for my new life in you, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord. I've got your nature. I've got your name to use, Jesus. My sins are washed by your blood. And if you need to bring things up to date, if you've done something stupid... It's a good time right then to say, Lord, I want to thank you again. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if I confess my sins, you're faithful just to cleanse my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That means everything that was unright made right in that prayer. And they say, Lord, I want to thank you now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm not going to sit here and complain about the situation. You know and I know right now that without you, I'm going to lose. But Lord, I'm not stopping on the losing side. I will look at the right side. 
And just like Pastor told about that little girl, about to be sold up under her mama, Lord, right now, X is about to happen to me. Fill in the blank, whatever it is. To say, Lord, I know just as sure as you come through for that lady, you said that my prayer is effectual and it avails much. So, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I ask you for favor. I ask you, Lord, to move in this situation. I ask you to change it, Lord. And, Lord, I'm going to act like the Bible's true. And so I'm going to act like you heard me. And so I'm not going to come back again tomorrow and ask you to do what I ask you to do today. Because you already told me in John 14, 14, if I ask you anything in your name, you'll do it. So instead of coming back tomorrow and asking you, Lord, if this thing hasn't changed by tomorrow, what I'm going to do, Lord, I'm going to do what you said in Philippians 4, 6, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Lord, tomorrow, you're not going to hear the same prayer. You're going to hear praise. I'm going to come to you tomorrow, Lord. I'm going to say, Father, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus. That just like Jesus said when he spoke concerning Lazarus, Father, I want to thank you. Thou heard me when I prayed the first time. So, Lord, I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'm going to say, thank you, Lord. You're working on this situation. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to cry about it anymore. Lord, is there anybody in my realm of influence today that needs prayer? Is there anybody that needs an encouraging word? Is there anybody I can talk to about you? Is there anybody I can invite to church? Lord, is there anybody that I can reach out to today? I want to, but Lord, I'm just going to act like the Bible's true. You heard me, and all I'm going to do, every time the devil tries to bring this up to me, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus, you're moving. Thank you, Jesus, you're working on it. Thank you, Jesus, you're taking care of it. That's what I'm going to do, Lord, because you said in James 5.16, the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Life is fragile. Handle with prayer. I believe in Jesus' name. Something jumped off out of this message tonight and got on some of you. And you know what you need to do? If you don't need it, but somebody does, preach it the best you can, your own words to them, and tell them what God has to say to them. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.